0: We will begin. Feel free to eat and follow along. Source sheets are on the front table near the drinks. The point of departure for this evening's shear is the Gemara and Brachot, page 12b. Source number one, the sources are numbered. It's a two sided source sheet. I'll refer to the sources by number and also from uh, where they're found. The Gemara and Brachot says as follows Amra Vavo ben Zutrati, Amrav Yudabar Zvida, Bikshu Vah parshat balak bikriat there was a thought, there was a, a a suggestion that was floated around to include the parsha of Balak within um, within the uh, within Kriyat Shema. Not not a, the actual Shema are three paragraphs. We know we know. Leading up to the Shema, we have Brachot, Birchot Kriyat Shema. And as part of Birchot Kriyat Shema, there was a thought to also include to also include the parsha of Balak. Not necessarily the entire thing, but the sections that refer to the blessings and the curses of Bilam. Right, we know that the evil sorcerer Bilam is hired by Balak to curse the Jewish people. Bilam has no choice but to open his mouth and proclaim blessings. Why was it considered uh, appropriate to include the parsha of Balak within, or, the, or specifically the blessings that were uh, intended to be curses, uh, as part of Shema, so one of the suggestions that's uh, offered is because the um, Bilam had the right idea. The theory was that Billam would, that Bilam knew the precise moment that God gets angry every day. There's this very brief moment that God gets angry, and if a sorcerer is able to know when that is and curse whomever he chooses, but including the Jewish people, then that curse will be effective. So had. What happened? How come that didn't happen? Because God, out of love for the Jewish people, didn't get angry. That's, that's, what, that's what one version of the Midrash says. So, And why didn't he get angry? As an expression of his love. We know that the brachot before Shema, avarabah, avtanu. You have a great love for us. And one of the ways that that love is, would have been a great example, a prime example of that, is the episode of Belak, where, uh, where Hashem... Uh, withheld his his anger as an expression of love for the Jewish people. So there was a suggestion, there was a thought to include Shema as uh, within Shema, the birch of Kriyat Shema, the these episodes, these verses that speak of the blessings of Bilam. But why? We name But why? If that's the case, then why did they not establish it there? Mishum Torach Tzibor, because extending Shema would place an encumbrance on the congregation. This is often colloquially referred to in the synagogue setting as *tircha de-tsibura*, right? When there's a that 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 there are certain there are certain examples, there are certain uh, scenarios that we advise the congregation. We advise the chazan. We'll give a number of the examples as as the bulk of what today's learning will be about. That in a synagogue setting, in a sibur setting. When you have a minion, when you have a congregation, a community of people praying together, you have to be mindful of their tircha, mindful of the burden, specifically the time burden. Now again, this is not, you can't take this all the way, because otherwise you could say then, don't pray at all, don't have a minion. it takes time. Everything takes time, but there's a a certain uh, consensus within our tradition. Within Chazal and the Poskim, as to what a what a uh, well-running minion situation looks like, a communal prayer situation looks like, and adding time to that is would constitute a uh, a a a a violation of this uh, of this conduct of this etiquette, this etiquette of being mindful. (laughs) I <laughs> okay. No. So that's what I'm saying, right? There, there's, right? You can't take this to the absurd ending because then you could say, then say nothing. Don't, don't, don't daven at all. No, we don't say that. There, there is a certain ideal as to what the form and function of a communal prayer experience looks like, and we are mindful to avoid any unnecessary uh, uh, um, uh, delays. Time delays to that. That's how I would put it. But we have to be serious about what is, what constitutes the appropriate form and function of the minion experience, and, and, and what, what is to be expected, what is to be tolerated by the congregation, and what would already fall beyond the uh, realms of uh, expected uh, time um, uh, expense. For the a little bit subjective, but we're gonna the rubber's gonna hit the road in a couple of different examples, and the question and, and, and we'll get to we'll get to some um, interesting practical uh, applications. So uh, th- there's a difference of opinion as to whether this um, this Torah Chatsibor that the Talmud and Brachot speaks of is a is a is a, has some sort of underpinnings or or source or reference from the text of the Torah itself. Or whether it's something that the rabbis instituted as part of the public prayer uh, experience, and we'll get to a a, a, mina, a practical uh, difference where this pra- where this practically comes up. The um, what what is the what is the origins the source of this idea of torch of torah tzibura tircha de tzibura of burdening the congregation with extended uh, uh, lag time. So one suggestion is it's based on the concept we know of kofunatsibor And we know that we're supposed to that that the that the the, the organism known the entity known as a tsibor right when men and women come together a minimum of 10 men but women are also included in the experience of tsibor when we pray together in that in that in that setting it, there is a a status that deserves our respect and that deserves our, uh, our, our, our serious uh, consideration of. So, for instance, the Talmud and Sota gives an example. <laughs> the prayer leader is not permitted to uncover the decorative covering of the Ark in public out of respect for the congregation. And, and the, the comment on that is it is inappropriate to have the congregation wait while doing this. Rashi in source 2b explains exactly what this is talking about. There was a time, there was a place when, um, when the, the Torah was not left in the location where uh, public prayer would take place. The meeting would take place, let's say, in a room like this, and the Torah would be kept in a, in a second location that was considered to be more secure. It would be in someone's house, let's say. And then they would take the Torah out in order to read it publicly. And what they would do is that they would prepare a location for the reading of the Torah by laying down various, um, by laying down various, um, uh, uh, you might see this in, in Sephardic uh, shuls, where they have sheets and all types of uh, dressings to uh, adorn the area, the teva, the shulchan, upon which the Torah will be read. And so that they would set that up In anticipation, like while the chazan was davening shachrit, they would set that up. And the question was, are you allowed to unset it up right after the Torah reading, as which would be a delay between the Torah reading and the next part of davening, which is musaf on Shabbos and Yom Tov? And so the Gemara says, no, you leave it as is. You don't break. You don't take down. You don't disassemble what you set up as an honor for the Torah until later on, because that would be a violation of the honor that's due to a Cibor. And as it's understood, it's the time delay. It's the delay of time that it takes place that would have to uh, elapse in order for us to disassemble the setting that we, we, we are mindful of people's time, we respect people's time. We have this in other settings, right? You know, um, in some, in our, in our, uh, in our uh, programs... We, we rarely wait more than five minutes to start a share because we are respectful of people's time. We, get, we give people a couple minutes to get in, but, you know, we don't penalize people for coming on time. If we have a guest speaker, we maybe wait ten minutes because we have a few more people that are coming in. It's this idea of being uh, valuing time, being respectful of time, and being respectful of time as a, as a means of being respectful of the audience. Of the seaboard of, of the congregation that's there. So, one example is one that's not. Yes? I'm sorry, I don't need to correct you. I'm sorry. I'm not. But um, when I'm thinking of all my life, I always heard that we're respectful of a woman's time, too. That's why a woman is required to take time. Are you talking about positive time bound commandments? Yeah, different. I think that's different, but the idea that people 's time is precious and needs to be utilized is recognize that people have things to do you know and, and, and so, to sort of be lackadaisical about it is, is certainly contrary to this, contrary to this value so one source would be the broader idea of a covenant seaboard as out of respect for the congregation we value their time, and we don 't uh, add unnecessarily to the uh, public prayer communal prayer experience. Another uh, uh, possible um, uh, source for this is um, it could be found in the, in source number three, the Gemara and Bet, which it has nothing to do with a uh, congregation, nothing to do with public prayer. It has to do with the flip side of the obligation we have to stand up for a Talmud Chacham, right? If a if a, if a Talmud Chacham walks into a room, everyone's supposed to stand. Now the Gemara says that, that there's an obligation on all of us, but there's also an obligation on that Talmud Chacham. Right? The Gemara says, <laughs> Where it is derived at the elder, right? because it's also if someone who's reached a certain age, we stand up for, the, for, for those who are more senior, we, we stand up for those who are wiser. Where do we know that they have an obligation? to be mindful of the situation and not trouble others to honor them. Because the verse says, that even the zakein, even the elderly and the, the, the senior or the, the wise uh, individual, he or she must also be mindful of God. Vireta. right? So the way that you show respect for, or, or reverence for God is to have a sensitivity to God's creatures. Right? So they're standing up for you, but you don't have to be matriach them. What does that mean? So Rashi says, if it's possible to go in a way that avoids walking through the whole crowd, necessitating everyone who comes sees you to stand up, sneak in. Sneak in from the back so that you don't have to be matriach, burden everyone from standing up. Right, That's a show of sensitivity. That's a show of respect. That's being mindful of, uh, of people's be- being sensitive. And perhaps that is a a a a a, a value in consonance, in line with what we are um, with what we are saying here about tircha, tircha de tsibura. The, um, the the, the uh, what are some of the practical uh, applications where the rubber hits the road? So if you look at source number six, the Shulchan Arach, talks about a case that can happen. It just happened in minion at the eight o'clock minion on Monday, on Monday morning, im sefer torah uh, patuach, la kore at shema, right, you're up to Laining on, a, especially on a Monday and Thursday. You're up to laning and it's time to give out the aliyahs, and the, there's one kohen in the crowd, and that kohen got to, that kohen got to shul a little bit late. And that kohen got to shul, such that he is, such that he is only up to, uh, He's, he's just starting Shema as you take out the Torah. So he's not, he's not in, a, in a place of prayer that would allow him to interrupt in order to get an Aliyah. So what does the Shulchan Aruch say? Eino Roshai lahasik, Bekorim Yisrael Bim Right? You say, coin, right? Kohen even though, what do you mean? He's sitting in the back. The Kohen's sitting in the back, but he's in the middle of Shema. He's in the middle of Shema So we say, Einkan Kohen meaning there's no Kohen that's uh, eligible. There's no eligible receiver, right? There's no, el- there's no, there's no eligible kohen that can get the aliyah, and you call up a yisrael in uh, in place of the kohen, right? And why is that? And the reason, the reason why that's it, that is, is because we don't require the. Uh, you have two values. You have competing values here. On the one hand, one value is we honor the kohen. The kohen gets the first aliyah, and there's a kohen in the house. He should get the first aliyah. There's another value though. It's the Tibor's time. Making them wait in order for the Kohen to catch up. So we see and this, this might be the, the what is the what is the uh, caliber? What, what what standing is the um, the giving the Kohen the first aliyah? It's it's a durabanan based on a pasuk. Right? The actual pasuk of the Kidash Toh is about Matnob kahuna. It's about you know giving the the the, the gifts agricultural and, 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 and uh and animal parts that that are given as gifts to the Kohen, the Kohen class, but the rab- rabbis extended it to other ways in which we honor the Kohen. So it's a mitzvah Dirabanan. Tircha de Tzibor wins out over Vikidash other mitzvah durabanan which may either it's a stronger Dirabanan or maybe it has some sort of illusion, some sort of asmahta even on a from a from a Torah from a Torah origin. So that's a and that's a, a practical uh, scenario that, that, uh, that, that we might see that Gabai should be aware of. That if a Kohen is in the middle of uh, a davening, whereby he can't get to the first Eliya, we move on because we allow, um, we are sensitive to Tircha de tsibura and this, um, the Tzibur. The, the, um, now, again, what was that? Well, it's not, it's, not, it's not, you know, it's not really majority because we're not talking about equal footing. The Kohen's not ready for the Iliyah. But, you know, we don't, we don't wait, right. It, we might think it's Derek to wait for the Kohen. We say, yeah, but it's Derek heretz for the majority right. not to wait for the Kohen. Right, that, that I would agree to. Now, the Rashma says there's no indication here in terms of the ranking between the mitzvah of a kidash toh on a rabbinic level versus the mitzvah of Tircha de Tibor, the prohibition of Tircha de Tibor, because here, like we started with, it's not an eligible receiver. The not, it's not like the Kohen's there and available. It's, it, this is a scenario in which the Kohen is not available for that piece. But nonetheless, this is an indication where we are sensitive to the time constraints and, 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 and delaying the normal course of a public prayer service uh, because. We are sensitive to a, um, sensitive to the tzibor, sensitive to all those participants in the Minyan that want things to move uh, smoothly uh, along. We have, uh, there's an interesting case based on the Gemaran Yuma, source number seven. The Talmud and Yuma talks about, of course, the very elaborate, intricate, unique, and interesting service that, of, of Yom Kippur, right? The focus was in the temple. And the and the master of ceremonies was the kohen gadol, and at one point in the service, he reads from um, he reads from two sections of the Torah. He reads from the section in the Torah that deals with avodat Yom Kippurim in the in Achimot, right in Vayikra, the middle of Vayikra, and then he reads from the section in Parshat Pinchas, which we use as the maftir the second readings on most holidays, right, that speaks about the specific, unique sacrifices Karbonot offer on each holiday. That's at the end of Bamidbar. Right, so you have a reading from the middle of Ayikra, the third book of the Torah, and another reading from the end of uh, Bamidbar, something we're going to read in, in uh, next week. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of columns between the two. So what does the Talmud say? The Talmud says Koray al he reads the Kohen Gadol reads from Pinchas. He reads by heart. So the Gemara—I mean, this is this is unique. We know that you shouldn't, right? It's a big no-no to read when it comes to Torah shebichtav. When it comes to the written Torah, we're 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 cautioned really uh, not to ever read Balpah by heart because it's written down. You should read it from a text. So how, so that's what that seems to be the underlying concern of the Talmud when it asks, Amai, Niklo Vinikri, why does he read it by heart? Let him roll the scroll from the middle of Ayikra to the end of Amidbar and read it from the text, as would be appropriate and typical. So Ravuna of Rav Yoshia says in the name of Rav the Lafi She'en Golin, Sefer Torah B'tzibor, again using the language of Kavut Zibor. What we do not spend time rolling the Torah from one section to the other, while the congregation was in the courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash waiting for the uh, next part of the program to to begin, we don't we we are respectful of the congregation's time. In this case, it's the entirety of B'nai Israel. Uh, anyone who could would be present during uh, Yom Kippur ceremonies, rituals in the Beit Hamikdash, and therefore we don't we are respectful of the community. We're respectful of the time. And the Cohen, instead of rolling the Torah of to Pinchas, just reads it. Just reads it uh, by heart. Very interesting. Now, the plot thickens. Um, the um, because we have, we, does this does this distill into practical halacha in our shuls? Uh, would we ever allow someone to read? A part of Torah reading, let's say you need two or three Torahs, would we allow you to read the laner? Would we allow them to read anything bal Would we allow them to read by heart? So the Shulchan Aruch in source number eight says no. Even though it's true, in Golan, safer Torah, but sibor we make covered right? One of the one of the, one of the expectations of a gabai, those who are involved in the running of the minion, is to ensure that the Torahs are set in the proper in the proper place. So that when you get it out of the Aaron, you can immediately read it uh, from from what you're supposed to read. So that's what it says. You're not, you can't just, you can't just have a pause in the action. You should think about it in advance, in anticipation, so that the Torahs are way, are. What was that? It's great when you have two or three Torahs. That's true, right, what if you don't? And by the way, it's great when you have, um, Two or three Torahs for the eight minyanim that we have, which Baruch Hashem we do for the most part. Three, I'm not sure we could give to every minyan. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But we give every minyan that needs it two. Right? But what about a place that doesn't have 16, 23 Torahs? Right? Or forget about eight minyanim, right? But what do you do? What if you only have one Torah? The Shulchan Aruch continues. Let's say you only have one Torah and you need to read from two Torahs that day, Yom, Yom Tov. Right, Rosh Chodesh and Shabbos, for instance, Hanukkah and Shabbos, Golan. You pause for station identification, right? You pause, you pause in order to roll the Yidcha Kavod Right. So even though we've 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 made the case that being respectful of the congregation is a important value, it, it it's not the be all end all, as is evident from the fact that we don't allow you. To read the Torah by heart when you only have one Torah and you need to roll, you're going to need to roll, and the congregation is going to have to wait, and that's just the way it's going to have to be. Um, the question then becomes: Then why? Why was not? Why? Why was the Kohen Gadol allowed to read by heart when the balkore on a regular Shabbos where two Torahs are used or Yom Tov is not allowed uh, to read by heart? So this is what this is what the Magen Avram. Uh, 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 talks about. So if you look at the bottom of source nine, the bottom of the page, the first page, source source nine. We'll read it inside. We have we have time. and Tahbako in Gadol Itirulik wrote Alpeh Lo Itirulik Lol bitsibor. Shema Minad Lo Amrin Adyicha Kavod Atsibar Afila Heicha Acher Vimkain Hachanami Yikra Alpeh Moshe Katsav Yosef Shema Rashba the Rashba, quoted by Rav Yosef Cairo, in fact says that if you only have one Torah and you have to read from two different places, in Shul you read by heart, you read Baal-peh, You read by heart, the second laning the second laning, we don't hold that way, we hold you wait the tzibur has to wait, it won't kill them, they'll wait, but the question that the Magen Avraham asks is why is that different than Yom Kippur, the Talmud and Yoma? the Talmud and Yomah says that, that we don't we, we, we are respectful of the uh, audience's time and the Kohen gadol therefore reads it by heart. So, uh, V'tarach Lomar, second line, sort of the middle of the line on uh, source nine. Devi Mikdash, HaYukol Yisrael, V'lo Right? The, 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 the variable, according to the Magin Avram, is that it, where, where it came to Yom Kippur, we're not just talking about eight Eitzibor, we're talking about all of Klal Yisrael. And all of Klal Yisrael may not have the right, the ability, the option to waive its honor. We know that, for instance, by a king. There's a difference between a, um, if a parent, if a parent is due a certain um, um, technical honor, right? If a father, right, let's say a, a, a child, when a parent walks into the room, the parent, the, the child should stand up. Let's say the father says, you know, in the 21st century, that's not necessarily the relationship that people suggest there should be, for better or for worse. That's not the way it's going to work. So you don't have to stand up. Can the, can the child say, okay, fine? Or no, but the, the Gemara says you have to stand up. No. So It's within the rights of the parent to forego the honor that's established for them, let's say from the Talmud and the codes. When it comes to a king... Right? Let's say there was a rule like that. That you. There are other rules. Can a king forego one of the technical, formal expressions of respect and honor that are due to a king? And the answer is no. And the reason given is because the status of the king is due to the fact that the king represents all of the Jewish people. And you can't waive, forego the honor of the entirety of Kal Yisrael. And so the Magan Avram wants to say that's why the Kohen Gadol was unable to say, you know, you wait. No, in this case, because even whether or not all the Jewish people were there, that setting represented a moment in which the Kohen Gadol, in his functionary role as facilitator of atonement on the Day of Atonement, represents the entirety of the Jewish people. And as a result, he is not, the, the, the community is not allowed to, as the entirety of the Jewish people is not allowed to forego their honor, and Therefore, the Kohen Gadol can't tell the Jewish people, the Klal Yisrael, "Wait while I roll the Torah." Right now, again, we have we have competing values here. On the one hand, you shouldn't read the Torah Bal but on the other hand, you have the honor of the entirety of the Jewish people, and that we say is what ultimately triumphs. And therefore, the Kohen Gadol will read by heart the second uh, the second Torah, the second Torah reading. However, so why that doesn't translate into any given minion in any given shul on any given Shabbos or Yom Tov, because as opposed to Yom Kippur in the Beit Hamikdash, where the Kohen Gadol represents all of the Jewish people in any given location, Masha' Ein Kane, Knesset, in any given synagogue on any given uh, week where you read two Torahs, Di'esh it's 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 yes, it's a tzibor, but it's a, a a piece of the tzibor. It's not the. It's not everyone. It's some of them that can function as a seabor because there's there, there's enough for a minyan. We We assume that they would be willing to, and, 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 and want to forego the honor that's due to, a, and, and, and wait the extra couple of minutes from rolling, in that case, let's say rolling from Vayikra to Bamidbar, takes no more than four minutes. The congregation in any given location, on any given day, we assume that they're willing to forego the honor that might have theoretically been due to them in order to read the Maftir, the second Torah reading, in its most appropriate fashion. So that's what the Magen Avram says. The, um, the, the Avnei Nasir offers a, a slightly different, uh, offers a different approach and, um, and suggests uh, that we differentiate between the obligation that the Kohen Gundel has to read these sections, these selections on Yom Kippur versus the obligation that, the, that we fulfill by hearing the Torah reading on any given Shabbos and Yom Tov. Whereas the Torah reading on Shabbos and Yom Tov is what we would call a chovat sibor, an obligation of the congregation of the community. And therefore it's their obligation, all of our obligations. One, people, one person's reading, a couple people get aliyahs, but it doesn't matter. We're all fulfilling a mitzvah by listening. So we all want to make sure that we fulfill that mitzvah in the best prescribed manner possible. And if that's to read it from the text, then we'll wait a few minutes in order to get that one Torah rolled to the right place. The, the Avnei Nezer suggests, and there's some proof to this, that the reading that the Kohen Gadol does on Yom Kippur was a chovat hayachid. It was his personal obligation. And of course, if it's only his personal obligation, he would not be within his rights to forego the honor uh, of the audience, of those that are in attendance, and therefore that's why he reads the second reading from um, from, from by heart. There's some there's some um, there's some proof to this, as Rav Asher Weiss points out, because um, uh, at times the uh, what we see is, for instance, there was no birchurat Torah when the Kohen Gadol would read on Yom Kippur. He wouldn't preface it with the brachot on the Torah. Like we have by a regular communal reading of the of the Torah, so that's one proof to this idea that it was a uh, that it was a, it was a different type of different type of obligation, and that's why that's that's why there's a difference. So just to sum up, whereas the Kohen Gadol and the Talmud and Yuma and Yom Kippur and the Beit Hamikdash would 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 not delay the the, the, the service in order to roll the Torah to the Maftir, the Chofin Aruch says, in all other settings, if you have one Torah, for whatever reason you have to roll it, you will do that in order, in order to do it appropriately. And so we see that the value of Tircha de is not, is not, is not primary, regardless of whatever factor it's in consideration to. Right? It's a very important value, but it doesn't triumph over every other value. And to read the Torah, second Torah reading, in the appropriate fashion, that would. That would, in fact, uh, uh, that would, in fact, win out. Did the in no. do the voting uh, first, or did he do the reading first? Um, it was, uh, somewhere in the, in the so middle. middle. Yeah. So he still had this obligation for everyone to do Yes. The things. Right. So there's more to it than... The- yes. It seems that the reading was perhaps as a reminder for himself. There's a lot of different ways of understanding it according to this idea. Not everyone agrees with the Avni but if you, if you take that approach and understand it to be a personal obligation, then uh, in, this, in that role he's, a, he's, he's, he's functioning on his own, whereas the rest of the day he's functioning as a shliach tzibur for the congregation for in all the other ways that he uh, engages in the unique avoda of Yom Kippur. Now, w- w- another instance... We dealt, with, uh, we dealt with one practical case two practical cases thus far right if you have a Kohen that's not up to Laning you don't have to wait for him because of Tiochot Tzibor because, of, because it will delay the service the normal flow of things if you have one Torah then you do delay because everyone wants to fulfill their mitzvah to the best way possible yes so I that it's um, not a Levi but I think the point—it could be a Levite, it could be a Levi. It doesn't have to be a Levi. I think that's what the, the Shulchan Aruch is saying. Good, good point. It, um, but that's actually a, that's actually a good point to know, right? When in, in place of a kohen, it doesn't always have to be a Levi. In place of a kohen, it could be any non-kohen. So oftentimes, we'll do a Levi, but it doesn't have to be that case. So we have two practical cases thus far that may come up in a in a shul setting, in a minyan. Here's a third, right? The Egrut Moshe source number 11. Right? Tells, tells the case of um, here we're not talking about one Torah uh, and you have to roll it but here we're talking about you open the ark and you have a few Torahs and you lo and behold right, you're in Parshat Chukat and you take out the Torah that's in Parshat Shemot right? it's two books over right, and you, took it out of the, you take it out of the Aron, and all of a sudden somebody goes wait 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 that's not the Torah it's the other Torah so what do you do then? All right, so what are, what are the factors? Let's talk about it outside. On the one hand, what we've been talking about all along is if you take that Torah that's in the wrong place and bring it to the table, you're going to have to spend some time rolling it to the proper location. And that's going to be a delay, a delay of game penalty, right? You are, you are not respecting the audience, at Tzibor, and it's a de Tziborah. On the other hand, what's the competing value? The Torah, you took out a Torah... To put it back down would it would seem to indicate, and we have this in other places as well, that it's somehow inferior, that there's a problem with that Torah. Now, if in fact there is a problem, if let's say you pick up a Torah and it's possible. So you put it back down, because in fact there is a problem with that Torah. But let's say you pick up a Torah and there's nothing wrong with it, except for the fact that it's in the wrong location. So then you have competing values. Right? On the one hand, you don't want a delay of game penalty Tircha de Tsibura, Kavarat On the other hand, you want cover Torah? The, the scroll was taken out. Can't should you should you really be uh, putting it back? Uh, putting it back uh, in this place. So source number eleven, Igrot Moshe, right? He, he quotes the the sitter of Yaakov Emdin in the laws of uh, of Kreata Torah that uh, if you take one if you take the wrong Torah out and you realize that it's not in the right place, right? You can return it. Some say you can return it back to the Aaron and take out the right one. And some say that you bring it to the uh, table and you roll it, even though it'll be a delay. Um, and so in the next paragraph, the Ramosha Feinstein writes, uh, e, since there are two opinions on this matter, some say you can take the, you can put away the Torah, some say you have to roll it. And there's a good reason for each one. Delay of game versus honoring the Torah that you take out. David Kamar u Udavid Kamar Right? Whatever you do has, has what to rely on. Um, uh, however, there's a caveat. There's, 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 nonetheless, Rav Moshe Feinstein seems to prefer one over the other. Right, again, if prefer, preferably because it's possible, we've seen already that a, 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 a part of the uh, so long as it's not all of Klal Yisrael, as long as it's just a minion in a location, they're allowed to waive the honor due to them. And they're allowed to incur a delay of game right? in order to avoid dishonoring in some way the Torah. Ramoshan feels that that's proper. Right? Take out the Torah and you know, you'll know for next time. You know, make sure to get the right one. Rav Usher Weiss, in, in, in this article that much of this year is based on, suggests that there might be a difference between if the Aaron is still open versus if the Aaron has already been closed and you'd have to open it again and put away the Torah. But I, I think as, as policy that, uh, that Ramoshe's uh, comment, not what he says, he says either way is legit. But as a community, as a value, again, there seems to be a value statement being made that can we, can we wait two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, to have the torah rolled so that we don't in any way appear to even the uh, appearance of dishonoring the torah by putting it back i think as a policy again maybe on occasion you take out you take out uh, and you have a vizota bracha maybe there's room to be lenient so that you don't sit there for 10 minutes as the torah is rolled but in general we should you know be be as careful as possible to know which Torah is the appropriate one, so you take out the right one. And if you take out the wrong one, under most circumstances, uh, we, should, we should forego our honor, wait the two, three minutes that it'll take for them to roll it in order not to, in any way, have the appearance of shaming uh, the, the Torah that we accidentally took out. So that's, um, that, that's, another, uh, that's another practical example of this, um, Again, there's a value of respecting the congregation's time, but it's not an absolute value, right? If if it means perhaps uh, casting aspersions on the Torah, we're willing to forego the honor that might have been due uh, that might have been due to the tzibor and the time constraints that exist. Another, another a fourth example, um, extra leot. Uh, extra leot really only happen uh, oh, suffot, right? Extra leot only happen on Shabbos. Mark Magilla says every other day is set. Right? Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturday afternoons is three aliyahs, Rosh Kodesh is four aliyahs, Right, and uh, Yantav is five aliyahs, and Yom Kippur is six. All those days you can't add. Shabbos is seven, it's the most, you can add more aliyahs. You can have an eighth, a ninth, an additional leot. So the Mishnah two eighty uh, 282.5, source number 12, says, Hosif made Torah Every Aliyah adds time. Right? Certainly, the way the way we do it, where there's a mishaberach we'll get to Mishibera in a second. That's uh, the next verse. But even you know, an extra bracha of the Torah before bracha of the Torah after, calling the person up, getting the next person there, takes a couple of minutes. It adds right. If you add two, three Aliot, it adds up. It's two, three Aliot is is at least an extra ten to fifteen minutes that otherwise would not have been part of the davening. Right? That's uh. That's a chunk of time, and here it's not protecting the honor; it's 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 protecting the honor of an individual who feels like they need an aliyah for whatever reason or occasion. So the mission Bruce says it's appropriate to not go down that road. There's lots of people there that are not getting aliyahs. so to add aliyahs for no reason is a is a uh, is, is is a penalty incurs uh, right is a is is a slight to the honor. Uh, to the respect on, on, on the tibor's time that we should have, it's a, it's a violation of Tiyuchah de Now, again, he, even there, he, 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 he um, vacillates a little bit, and the Mishmaro says, if, if, if it's going to be a fight, right? If someone's going to go off, again, they're wrong. They should, you shouldn't fight about these things. But we have a, a long history of people fighting about Aliyahs, so better, better, better to better to put a put a. Put an osafa in, right? Better to maintain peace, right? Better for there not to be a fight, right? There's, that's that's, that's Weinstock on the Mishiburra, right? That's my comment. Don't fight about it. But if you know people and you know who they are and where they're, what they're doing, uh, even if the policy, and I think our policy is a good one, that generally speaking, we're not going to add osafa. Right? You, uh, you, know, you, uh, you ran a half marathon, so you want to get an aliyah. Sorry, seven the seven seven aliyahs have been given out. We'll get you an aliyah. We'll get you an aliyah some other time. We'll, we'll let you do something else, right? Not every uh, not every event is deserving halakhically of requiring an aliyah, such that we add it to the to the to the mix. Nonetheless, if there are difficult uh, characters, then better be, Shalom is always a Shalom is probably one of those primary values, peace, peace within harmony within a community, etc. And therefore. Mishnah gives us direction, preferably not to uh, not to add but if you had to, um, if you had to, you would have to. The um, the by the way, the Meiri. I'm just going to quote quickly in source thirteen. Says the reason why we don't have Osaphos at Mincha and Shabbos is because people are tired of Torah reading already. <laughs> Interesting, right? Because they've been learning and you know, all this davening and all this Torah study already. Just give them the three aliyahs as was ordained by Ezra and Moshe Rabbeinu, and leave it at that. Interesting, right? I think the reason why I like that source is because do we, do we, do we learn halacha aspirationally or realistically? I think that's an interesting point, right? That's realistic. Right? That's, realistic. That's, the re- that's the reality of things, right? It's Shabbos, so really you can have... I've been, no, uh, I'm not going to say enough. Uh, idealistically, aspirationally, it's never enough. But for most people, most times in their lives, let's just, let's just do what, what, what we're supposed to do and, 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 and qualitatively add to that experience instead of quantitatively making things challenging. Yes, yeah. you have to know the halacha to what is Yes, you have to know the halacha, but you, it's also good to know what the basic halacha is. What's a, what's an enhancement of that halacha? What's a what's a chumrah? What's a what's a It's always good to know those those values. And, and the Miri is saying, you know, more than three aliyahs at mincha, even if technically speaking there's no reason why you can't, we shouldn't, because that's not what's needed. And people are people, and most people are going to resent it. Not going to embrace it. So again, you could be aspirational and say, No, we're going to do five years because that's, you should love Torah reading. But that's, not what, that's not what the meaning says. So my brother um, runs the uh, davening at a Pesach program. Yeah. And they get people both from outside and they get people from Israel. Right. So a year like this year, where the eighth day of Pesach falls down on Shabbos, at Mincha right. they blame the whole partial uh, people for Israel. That's the interesting. That there you go. They only they do it in three leagues. Okay, interesting. Right, there's all types of quirks with a, with an international flair and people from all over the world uh, coming together. You can have interesting uh, combinations and permutations. <laughs> well, who says you have to read only the first one? <laughs> Right, but also, who says you have to only read the first aliyah? I think we only read the first aliyah because we do three aliyahs. Right? I think, th- yeah, I think it's. I think that's the order. It's three aliyahs, so you divide it in like like Mondays and Thursdays. But I think the idea is that on Shabbos, technically, you could you could you could have more uh, you could have more readings. Uh, the source number fourteen is once again Rabbi Yaakov Emden. He talks about another thing that can delay davening, especially on Shabbos and Yom Tov, is the Mishabarachs. Everyone who gets called up for an aliyah gets a mishaberach. And, 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 and in some shuls, they mention people by name, including uh, spouses and children and great-aunts and uncles and step-cousins and all types of people. And Rav Yaakov Amdin said if he had his way, he would get rid of all mishaberachs altogether. But he says, what can I do? I can't. So number one is, is if Rav Yaakov Amdin couldn't do, get rid of them altogether, we're not getting rid of them altogether either. But there seems to be... A need to be sensitive to the de Tibur aspect to it. It's not a requirement, right? Theoretically, they, we could get rid of them altogether. We're not going to. Necess- we're not going to do that because Rav Yaakov Emden felt even he couldn't do it. But we should be sensitive to people's time. We've been trying to do that. We've created a combined mishaberach that, that and, and we don't mention people's names. Uh, and, and and these are ways of. Keeping things moving, being respectful of the congregation, and it's uh, and it's time to make sure that things flow. The choreography, as I say, of the minion should be should run smoothly. People shouldn't feel like there's a lot of stops and starts, that there's a lot of delays. That's a way of respecting Tzvila, and a way of respecting the congregation that comes that comes to uh, that comes to davening. The um, the now, what's interesting is that. All, most of the cases we've been talking about of Tircha de tzibura are not like in the grand scheme of things; are not long periods of time. But still, we're sensitive to it. If there's no competing value that tells us to delay, we're going to be sensitive to even even small delays in the in the in the flow in the choreography of davening. And a great example of that is is um, uh, is source 15 and 16 about what, what, is the, what is the posture that the Torah should have when Ola gets up for an Aliyah. Should the Torah be open or should the Torah be closed? And the Mishnah Bura says that all things being equal, I know that places have the custom to the contrary, there was a, what, some suggest that you should keep the Torah closed, lest people think that the brachot of the Torah, the Torah, are written in the scroll itself. That's incorrect. The blessings are not written in the Torah. The blessings are in the Siddur or something next door. The Mishnah says, don't, it's fine, right? You can make the blessing with the Torah open and just look, as, look away from the Torah when you make the bracha, right? And, and the reason, and part of the reason why, um, so that's, that's concerning the first bracha. What about the second bracha?
1: The
0: Mishnah says in source 16, right, the second bracha, we don't worry about that. The first bracha, the reason why you should leave the Torah open when you make the bracha, Baruch Huet Hashem am is because if it's closed, and then the cha, the the, the, Balkore, the laner, has to open it, it'll be a delay, right? They'll have to find the spot. It'll take 20 seconds. If it was 20 seconds, it would be too long. 10 seconds? <laughs> right, so it's interesting that when there's no competing value against it, we are sensitive even to very small delays. Terechot etzibor. <inaudible> And therefore, leave the Torah open when you make the first bracha of Birchad Torah so that the laning can go on smoothly, straight through, and that closing it may be a violation, since there's no reason to do it, may be a violation of uh, of Tircha of Tircha de Tzibura. That's also true, right? You have to find the place, lose the place, right? No, that's that's also true. Um, And uh, if it's, if that and, and, and whatever's challenging to the Balkorish is going to be going to manifest, reflect itself in the in the Tzibur as well. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention is what about by this is this is something that R- Rav Asher Weiss mention, mentions in his article about what about what about um, waiting for someone, waiting for the Rabbi for Shema and Shimon Esrei, right? So it's interesting. There's. Um, there's, um, there's a Hasidic... I mean, the, the, the Gemara talks about the, the Amora who said that when people were davening with him, he davened a long time. And when he was by himself, he davened a very short time. So he fed off the crowd. He fed off the crowd. And there's something to that. And many, many rabbis have a pace that's just a little bit slower than everyone else so that no one feels like they have to rush, but it's not, it's not draining on people's time. Now, again, people were really fast are going to have to sit there for, you know, up to a minute or a minute and a half because their, their pace is much faster than everyone else's. So this is just a very cute thing that, um, that is that Tzirchot Tzibor? To wait for the rabbi. So Rav Asher Y says, he, ho- he feels it's not Tzirchot Tzibor. Why? Well, first of all, certainly, again, there's, 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 great, there's, there's, there's ambiguity and there's certainly, we can talk about the, uh, the, the details. But for instance, if, if the rabbi is setting a pace, that he feels is the appropriate pace for everyone, and this way everyone can take their time, right? can, take their, can, 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 can adopt that pace. If the rabbi is going very, very slow and, and knows that his pace is much slower than everyone else's, then perhaps a different system should be established where but there's a set amount of time after which the chazin continues. But I want to just end with this very cute um, diuk that comes from Ravashar Weiss. He notes that the two, two gemaras... Uh, the Gemara in Brachot 55a says that there are three things that shorten a person's life. One of them is if you're offered an aliyah and you don't take it, or if you're offered at the bench and you don't take to be the bezumin. And the last one is uh, one who uh, assumes the air of authority. In Hebrew is hamanig asmo b'rabanut. Right? Someone who is in, in a position of authority. Someone who has, uh, 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 let's call it, assumed the mantle of rabanus. Right, Rabbanos is bad for your health. Rabbanus shortens your life. Right? It's not me, it's the Gemara and Brachos. Shortens your life. Fortunately, there's an anecdote. There's an antidote. The Gemara and Brachot 54b, right before, tells us there are three things that lengthen a person's life. And the first one mentioned is somebody who extends their davening,
1: I, I don't know, forever,
0: but longer than perhaps is standard. So the answer is, you know, wh- why do rabbis have to daven a little bit longer? Because as rabbis, their position shortens their life. And one of the ways to lengthen their life is to daven a little bit slower. So it's your fault that I need to daven a little bit slower. And so you're just going to have to hold out. And it's not a violation of Terech Have a wonderful night, everyone.